Welcome to Witch Hunt, the leading podcast on the witch trials of the past and the continued witch hunts of today. I'm Josh Hutchinson. And I'm Sarah Jack. We are honored to welcome Dr. Trisha Pion. Dr. Pion holds a PhD in history from the University of New Hampshire, specializing in the study of witchcraft and witch trials with a particular focus on New England. When was the first witchcraft case in New Hampshire? Probably 1648. That's the first one we know of. And that's happening at the same time as the other early cases in New England, right? You've got 1647 and 1648 in Connecticut and Massachusetts with their first cases in court action. So 1648 in, in Portsmouth. What kind of spectral evidence comes up in the New Hampshire accusations? There's actually spectral evidence in one of the later cases, the case in the 1790s that takes place in Campton, New Hampshire, which is up in the White Mountains. And it has some parallels to Salem. It's interesting because it's literally a hundred years after the Salem witch trials take place. And that's the, a case against a woman called Polly Wiley. And the only evidence we really have about her case is a letter. So it's just this one document. It's at the New Hampshire Historical Society. And it is written by the minister Reverend Selden Church. And he's basically, he, he writes this letter. It's signed by a group of 14 other men in town. So all we really have is this one document. I'm not entirely sure what happens afterwards. And so we just have this one document that shows us this one moment in time. And I haven't found any other evidence really about who she was, because there's a couple people in Campton and Thornton, a neighboring town, who might have been Polly Wiley. Not 100% sure yet. So all we really have, we take this document at faint value. Basically, it sounds like they're responding to an accusation of witchcraft that Polly Wiley makes against several other people in the community. The men who are writing the document and signing, signing it are saying they're not really sure if she is bewitched, if she is possessed. They don't know if she has a medical illness. So they're not really sure what is happening. But what they describe is that she's got bite marks on her. She's seeing things. And from their perspective, these are the men, these are the propertied wealthy men in the town and the minister who's the arbiter of this dispute. And what their concern is, they say it's not safe to be sure. They're not sure if it's the devil or witchcraft or a medical illness. But their concern is that people in town and people from other towns are starting to come to Polly Wiley to ask her to name the other witches in the neighborhood. Similar parallels to Salem, definitely. You have this, this asking someone to name, name witches. People are coming to her and asking her. They're trying to test her, doing some of the traditional tests of witchcraft to figure out what's going on. And so she's got these wounds and scratches all over her body. She is having these difficulties. She says she's seeing people that are invisible to everyone else in the room, but she can see them. So she's seeing these specters and people in town want her to say who they are. So that's all we know. That's all there is. And then we have the 14 men who sign it and say they're urging caution, basically. They're saying, let's not jump to conclusions. We're not entirely sure what's happening here. It's possible that this is witchcraft. It's possible that these are specters. And so we don't know what happened after that. But it's a, it's a, a weird little glimpse, a little window into what was going on up in the White Mountains in the 1790s. So it's the period after the American Revolution. They're just founding this town, and there's clearly some kind of tension. And clearly some kind of maybe unexplained illnesses, some other mysterious happenings. But you have a, a young woman who 
is essentially saying that she's seeing the specters of other witches and people want more information. But the town leaders are saying, let's try to maybe put a damper on this and take a breath and and figure out what's happening. Sadly, we don't know what happens, but it is definitely an interesting case. What are some of the primary sources or documents that have been crucial in your research? Because New Hampshire was part of Massachusetts for much of the 17th century, a lot of the New Hampshire documents are in the Massachusetts State Archives. So Eunice Cole, I think, is the case where we have the most documentation or the most records about her. Jane Walford, there's just a little bit and some of it secondhand. But Eunice Cole, I think we have the most. There's some of her indictments, the testimonies against her survive, and they're at the Mass State Archives. And then, of course, her case is it's all over the newspapers in the 20th century. So there's a lot of really amazing illustrated newspapers and commentary about her case where you have people in the 1930s looking back at what survived from the 17th century and reinterpreting the evidence when they're trying to put forward this effort to exonerate her. I was thinking about that community exoneration effort, and I believe they burned replicas of the court documents as a symbol of clearing her name, purifying what happened. How much additional lore has developed around her? Is she a figure of lore as well? Yeah, so she definitely is. She's so fascinating because she was reviled by her community. They hated her in the 17th century. Three decades, she's being brought up on charges. She's kept in jail. They send her to jail in Boston. The town has to pay for her to be in jail. There's a lot of animosity towards this woman. The evidence against her in her cases, which I think they start in her first witchcraft case, I think is in 1656. But she had faced some other charges before then. She was accused of slander. She was accused of stealing pigs. So she was known to the community to be somewhat disagreeable. So her first formal kind of accusation of witchcraft is in 1656. Her neighbors offered a lot of testimony against her. She's brought again to court in 1673. And then the final one is in 1680. So you have these three, and evidence survives from these. So we can read the testimony and see what people were saying about her. Her neighbors say things like, they saw her in church once with a mouse in her lap. Right. One of of her neighbors says that she went to visit a sick friend and Eunice Cole had been there the same day. She had just been there and then the friend comes over and the man who is sick complains and says that he saw a gray cat near his bed and then he cried out, Lord, have mercy upon me. The cat has killed me and broken my heart. And it was implied that Eunice Cole was the cat. So she's causing illness. They did find some really great evidence against her, but the court continued to be hesitant to convict her, but they did send her to jail. So they said that they, they were suspicious of her and that she should be in jail, but they were not ready to execute her. So they didn't. Um, but at one of her trials, she was sentenced to be whipped publicly and then sent to jail, which is, I think, interesting. And when she's whipped, they see that she has a witch's teat. So she has, they see a mark under her breast that looks like it's blue and they're not sure what it is. And they think that this is where her animal familiars, maybe the mouse, maybe the cats, are suckling from her in the night. And then they go back to look at it again to examine the mark and she scratched it off. So she's accused of concealing some of this great evidence against her. She's accused of enchanting an oven. So there's a lot. People say that they heard voices coming out of her house when she was alone. So she's like allegedly having conversations with Satan 
she was accused, a girl accused her, a, a young girl who was nine years old, Ann Smith, said that she had tried to entice her, that Eunice Cole offered her plums to come and live with her. And the girl said no. And Eunice Cole pushed her and hit her with a rock. So Eunice Cole runs away. A cat appears in her place. This is when the cat offers the girl fine things if she will go and live with Eunice Cole, but she doesn't. There's tons, there's overwhelming evidence, but they found that she wasn't legally guilty in spite of this testimony, but that there was just ground of vehement suspicion of her for having had familiarity with the devil. It's cyclical in the community. What's going on? Let's accuse Eunice Cole of witchcraft again. But she's in and out of jail. She comes back to town. Her husband dies. She becomes a town charge. And when she dies, according to town legend, they found her in her shack and they buried her body with a stake through her heart and then a horseshoe around the stake so that her spirit wouldn't be able to escape and haunt them. However, the town folklore also says that her ghost still haunts and walks the streets of Hampton. And so people have said that they've seen her over the years. And to this day, allegedly her ghost is unsettled and upset. And so that was part of the justification for exonerating her was to appease her ghost. So her whole reputation goes through a rehabilitation starting in the 19th century, because in the 19th century, you get more of the sort of romantic idea of Puritans and witchcraft. So she's in a John Greenleaf Whittier poem. He writes about her in a poem called The Wreck of the River Mouth. And in that poem, she's kind of sympathetic. Like, yeah, she caused the shipwreck, but she felt bad about it, right? And it was because people were cruel to her. So in the 19th century, the stories you have about Eunice Cole are more that she was maybe a little rough around the edges, but that basically the, the community was mean to her and had wronged her. It's such a fascinating case. So then what, by the time you get to the 20th century, the community decides, and I'm not totally sure where the motivation comes from in the community to do this rehabilitation and create this monument, but it comes up around the 300th anniversary of the town. So 1938 is the 300th anniversary of the English founding of Hampton. And so at town meeting that year, the citizens get together and they vote to exonerate her and they say they're going to create this memorial. It's not totally clear like why they want to do this, but what they say, to take it with a grain of salt, is they say in a newspaper article from 1938, they say the reason for the exoneration was part of the current revolt against the Puritan tradition. So that's what some of the people involved were saying, that this, it's a rejection of the Puritan past. But why in 1938? That's one of the kind of unanswered questions. So they have town meeting in March of 1938. The residents vote on an article and the article says, quote, We, the citizens of the town of Hampton, do hereby declare that we believe that Eunice Cole was unjustly accused of witchcraft and familiarity with the devil in the 17th century. And we do hereby restore her to her rightful place as a citizen of the town of Hampton. And then she was told that they would celebrate her during the 300th anniversary that summer, that they would have these ceremonies, which, as you mentioned, it's when they decide to publicly burn the certif certified copies of the documents from her various trials. And then they take the ashes from those documents and they take some soil from where she had lived, some soil from the earth. And they mix them together and they put them in an urn. And then they said they were going to bury that on the town green, but it's actually in the Tuck Museum. So you can go see that and see some of these artifacts from her, from the case of Eunice Cole. 
in Hampton. But it sounds very ritualistic, right? Like they're doing, it sounds a little bit like sorcery to me, like burning these documents symbolically, mixing them with earth, burying them. But that's what they did. And then they declared August 25th of 1938 to be Goody Cole Day. They always call her Goody Cole, like the Puritan address, Good Wife. So short for Good Wife, Goody Cole. They had a pageant. They reenacted some of her trials. Okay. Dramatizing the events. Like someone wrote a play and the town all comes and they listen to this reenactment of the events. There are speeches. There's a big party. There's the Hampton Beach Bandstand. 3,000 people attend the ceremony. It's covered in the national news. It got, it got a fair amount of attention. Famous people were there, government officials. They created a commemorative coin and a doll that like is supposed to look like Goody Cole. Again, slightly witchy. But yeah, and you can see those things also at the Tuck Museum. They have the urn, they have the doll, they have the coins. And there's pictures online if you want to see them. So this, these efforts are all being led by this group. And the group calls themselves the Society in Hampton for the apprehension of those falsely accusing Goody Cole for having familiarity with the devil. And they made membership cards to be in this society. Not like a catchy name, really, but that's what they went with. And so they're making the coin, they make the doll. They're rehabilitating her public image. And it's a moment in New Hampshire history where New Hampshire could have been the site of witchcraft tourism. Before Salem really took that on, it could have been Hampton, New Hampshire. And apparently there was some witchcraft-based tourism. In the 1930s and afterwards, people visited one of the alleged sites where she had lived. And they come to see this huge event at the bandstand on the beach. Quite an amazing story. They promised to build a memorial in 1938. They actually didn't. They didn't leave anything permanent after that ceremony. But then in 1963, the town placed a boulder on the town green. And then they put the plaque there at the town's 375th anniversary, which was in 2013. So there is a marker on the town green that you can go and see. But compared to the other markers in New England, this one gets very little attention, right? Literally hundreds of thousands of people will walk through the city of Salem and see the witchcraft memorials there. And very few people know about Eunice Cole or visit her marker. Thank you for listening to Witch Hunt. Please join us next week. Have a great today and a beautiful tomorrow. <laughs>